to the Psalm 119, the longest of the Psalms, the Psalm 119. And we're moving down the Psalm to the 16th section, and it commences with verse 121. So it's the Psalm 119, and we're going to read that section that commences with verse 121. You will know that this is a psalm that divides up into 22 different sections. And each section of the psalm corresponds to the letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And whenever you come down each section, you find that there are eight verses in every section. And the commencement of every verse is with the corresponding letter associated with that section of the psalm. You don't see that in the English, but if you were to take up the Hebrew Bible, you would be able to see that this is one of the alphabetical psalms. And so we believe that it was given in such a way to aid memorization that you're able to come through the alphabet to memorize God's word. So the Psalm 119 and that 16th section, uh, which commences with verse 121. I have done judgment and justice. Leave me not to mine oppressors. Be surety for thy servant for good. Let not the proud oppress me. Mine eyes feel for thy salvation and for the word of thy righteousness. Deal with thy servant according unto thy mercy, and teach me thy statutes. I am thy servant. Give me understanding that I may know thy testimonies. It is time for thee, Lord, to work, for they have made void thy law. Therefore, I love thy commandments above gold, yea, above fine gold. Therefore, I esteem all thy precepts concerning all things to be right, and I hate every false way. Amen. We'll end there at verse 128. This evening, I draw to your attention the verse 126. 126, the psalmist says, It is time for thee, Lord, to work, for they have made void thy law. Time for the Lord to work. The subject of this psalm, as you no doubt will be aware, is God's word. And in almost every verse in this psalm, we have God's word referred to with different expressions. For example, if you were to look there at verse 123, you'll see there that it's referred to as the Word, just simply the Word, the Word of thy righteousness. It's speaking about God's Word. When you look at verse 124, you'll see the word statutes, and so it's not just referred to as God's word and the word of his righteousness, but that word from the Lord is referred to as his statutes. 
You come to verse 125, you'll see the word at the end of the verse, testimonies, that I may know thy testimonies. And that's another reference to God's word. It's God's word, the word of his righteousness. It's his statutes. It's his testimonies. And you can see in our text in verse 126, it's referred to as thy law. It's the law of the Lord. Verse 127, it's thy commandments. And in verse 128, it's thy precepts. And so you can see all of these varying expressions, but they're all relating to one and the same thing. They are relating to God's Word. Of course, whenever you come to Psalm 119, we're often told by commentators and by preachers that not every verse contains a direct reference to God's Word. It's almost every verse in the psalm, 176 verses, but there are one or two verses that don't have a direct reference to God's Word. And one of them's in this section. It's the verse 122. Be surety for thy servant for good. Let not the proud oppress me. And so that's one of the verses, and you can find the other one. But for this evening, our focus for a short time is upon verse 126. And whenever you look at that verse, it surely brings out the concern that is within the heart of the psalmist for the honor of the Lord and for the honor of his word. It is time for thee, Lord, to work, for they have made void thy law. It would seem as the psalmist looked around and observed that he was deeply vexed and grieved within his heart, that there was a widespread abandoning of God's word and of God's law. There was a turning away from the law of God. And therefore, the deep desire of the psalmist in our text of Scripture was for God to work and for God to move. In light of the fact that they have made void thy law, he's coming and pleading with the Lord and saying, Lord, it's time for thee to work. And surely it's a text of Scripture that's very relevant for us in the days in which we're living. Firstly, we see here the reason for God to work. The reason for God to work is given there in the second part of the verse, for they have made void thy law. That's the reason why the psalmist desired that the Lord would move and the Lord would work, the reason being they have made void thy law. The word void, that word void, it means to set aside. They've set aside thy word. They've set aside thy law. And therefore, to make void the law of God is to disregard that word. It's to render it invalid and not being relevant. 
It's to render that word ineffective. In other words, they're not recognizing the authority of this word. And the psalmist is saying, for that reason, they're making void the law of God. There's no submission. There's no obedience to that word. That's the reason he wants God to work. I've set aside thy law. That word void not only means to disregard, but it means to disobey. Literally, that word void means to break. There's a violation, there's a breaking here of God's holy law. And so further to not regarding that law, there's actually a a, a doing of what that law opposes. There's a doing of what is contrary to the law of God, doing the very opposite. So to make void the law of God is to disobey that law. It's the reason why the psalmist was crying to the Lord. But to make void God's law involves defiance of that law. There's a total disregard and a disobedience, but to go a step even further, there's a defiance of that law that those who hear the law of God become incensed against it when they're confronted with the standards of God's holy word. They want to defy it. No acceptance of God's law. The psalmist was one who held to God's law and to God's word. You see what was happening to him We read verse 122, but he's saying to the Lord here, Be surety for thy servant for good. Let not the proud oppress me. So here's one, the psalmist who was seeking to hold to God's word and seeking to obey God's law and God's commandments, and he's being oppressed. He's being oppressed by the proud those who publicly and arrogantly are parading their sin and they're seeking to oppress the godly servant of the Lord. Certainly a portion of Scripture that's very up-to-date. It's very apt for today. City after city across the UK and further afield are holding what they refer to as their their prayed walks or marches, prayed demonstrations, proud of their sin, publicly and arrogantly defying the law of God, casting God's law aside. These LGBT activists who are making void the law of God In the days of the psalmist that caused a deep desire within his heart for the Lord to move and for the Lord to work because he witnessed God's law being made void. And surely we could put ourselves into that position. It's not only 
the so-called pride demonstrations. There are other issues today where God's law is made void. The issue of abortion, where they're seeking to bring in new legislation for abortion. Conversion therapy, making it more difficult for the preaching of the gospel and calling sin for what it is. The issue of euthanasia continues to be debated. The whole gender issue, even within the education system. The further desecration of the Lord's Day, and even here locally in Hillsborough, this coming Lord's Day morning, they're going to have the Castle Festival of Running. Desecration of the Lord's Day, making void the law of God. So the reason, the reason the psalmist wanted the Lord to work, for they have made void thy law. Then in our text you can see, secondly, the request for God to work. The request here in verse 126, it is time, it is time for thee, Lord, It is time for thee, Lord, to work. And when you carefully consider the expression of the psalmist here, he is showing to us a total inability of man to change anything. It's only the Lord. We're all too aware today of our own powerlessness. Sin seems to be sweeping through our society and through our communities at an unstoppable rate, and we feel ourselves we're powerless. And therefore, the psalmist in such a situation, he comes to the Lord in prayer, and he's saying, Lord, it's time for thee to work. Time for thee to work. Of course, it's not for man to Dictate to the Lord. It's not for man to set the appointed times. Appointed times for the Lord to reveal his power. The Lord will do that in his own time. But when the Lord is going to move and the Lord is going to work, he burdens the heart of his people to pray. And God has his set times when he will so pour out that spirit of believing prayer upon his people that the Lord's hand will move in answer to prayer. Though that we could pray it even reverently tonight, coming to the Lord with the state of our land and nation and saying, Lord, it is time. It's time for thee, Lord, to work. God has his set times. I noticed in the book of Exodus, the chapter 9 and the verse 5, and it had to do with the plagues coming upon Egypt. And here it was the plague of the cattle, the murin of the cattle. In Exodus 9 and verse 5, it says, And the Lord appointed a set time. So even when the Lord was going to move, and the Lord was going to move by way of this plague, the murin of the cattle, it says, the Lord appointed a set time, saying, tomorrow, 
The Lord shall do this thing in the land. And even in that particular matter of God moving in judgment, the Lord had a set time to do that thing. You think of Job and all that Job went through and all that he suffered. And in Job chapter 14 and then the verse 13, and just at the end of that verse, he says that thou wouldest appoint me a set time and remember me. And as Job is before the Lord, he's saying to the Lord that thou wouldest appoint me a set time and remember me. He wanted the Lord to come to him at a set time. We were in Psalm 119, but in the Psalm 102 and in the verse 13, we read again, Thou shalt arise and have mercy upon Zion for the time to favor her, yea, the set time is come. And God had his set time to favor Zion. And the Lord is saying, the set time to favor her is come. The Lord was going to move. Over in the prophecy of Ezekiel, and in the chapter 36, the Lord spoke about visiting his people. And that there would be this time of restoration as to how the Lord would come. And in the verse 36 of that 36th chapter, it says, Then the heathen that are left round about you shall know that I, the Lord, build the ruined places and plant that that was desolate. I, the Lord, have spoken it, and I will do it. I will do it, the Lord says. In the very next verse, It says, Thus saith the Lord God, I will yet for this be inquired of by the house of Israel to do it for them. I will increase them with men like a flock. The Lord was saying to his people Israel, he's saying, I'm going to come and there's going to be a time of restoration and I'm going to increase you like a flock. The set time for that is coming. And the Lord says, but I'll yet be inquired of by the house of Israel to do it for them. You see, when the Lord is going to move, the Lord is going to work. The Lord is going to reveal his power and his stretched out arm. He'll put it upon the hearts of his people to pray. And to say it is time. It is time for thee, Lord, to work. What the psalmist witnessed as he looked around him so grieved his heart, it motivated him to pray for the Lord to intervene. You notice as well, it it gave the psalmist a greater love for that word. The word that was made void And the fact that he witnessed God's word being cast aside and made void, it gave him a greater love for that word. You notice straight after our text it says, Therefore, they have made void thy law. Therefore, I love thy commandments. I love them above gold, he said. 
Yea, above fine gold. You think of the treasure of fine gold. And the psalmist says, I, I love thy word and thy commandments above fine gold. That's how he treasured the word of God. When he saw others trampling it underfoot, it made him treasure it all the more. There's another therefore in verse 128. And it's again based on the end of our text. For they have made void thy law. Therefore I esteem all thy precepts concerning all things to be right. And I hate every false way. He loved. He loved the commandments above fine gold. And he loved the precepts of the Lord. And he so esteemed God's precious word. That he was saying that. Those precepts are right in everything. And God's word, therefore, is to be our standard for all matters of faith and practice. And we have to esteem all God's precepts concerning all things to be right. And to hate every false way that we would come with such a love for God's word in our heart that when we see that word being made void, we'll say, Lord, it's time. It's time for thee, Lord, to work. Jonathan Edwards said, when God is about to do a great work, he pours out a spirit of supplication. He pours out a spirit of supplication. The reason for the Lord to work, they've made void thy law. The request for the Lord to work, it is time for thee, Lord, to work. Then thirdly, the result of God working. The result of God working. It is time for thee, Lord, to work. What is that work? It is time for thee, Lord, to work. What will the Lord do? What will the Lord do in answer to prayer whenever he moves and whenever he, he sets to work? What is he going to do? He could work in a number of ways. Could be a work of judgment. Sin continues to go unchecked and unrepented of. Eventually, God, who is gracious and merciful and long-suffering, will move in judgment. Nation after nation is ripening for the judgment of God. Isaiah records it concerning Israel. In Isaiah the chapter 3, and just in the verses 8 and 9, of that chapter, read what it says concerning Israel and the days of Israel. Isaiah 3 and the verse 8, For Jerusalem is ruined and Judah is fallen because their tongue and their doings are against the Lord to provoke the eyes of his glory. What an expression that is. That their sins there were provoking the Lord, but they were provoking the eyes of his glory. And in verse 9 it says, The show 
of their countenance doth witness against them, and they declare their sin as Sodom. They hide it not. Woe unto their soul, for they have rewarded evil unto themselves. And sin, when it goes unrepented of, is sin that is going to bring down that work of judgment from the Lord. And he will pour out his judgment. It's time for thee to work. The Lord can work in judgment. It's time for thee, Lord, to work. It could be a work of fulfillment where the Lord will vindicate his word and the Lord will prove his word to be true. The prophecies of God's word will be fulfilled as we're in the last of the last days. We will find out that God's word stands true and man may try to disregard and cast aside God's word and make void his law, but God's word will not be destroyed. God's word is an indestructible word and that word will prevail and the Lord can show through his work that his word will stand true and it will not be destroyed and so it could be a work of judgment it could be a work of fulfillment and vindication it could be a work of restoration and revival and maybe when we consider there how God could work, that's the one that we would look for. That's the one that we would long for, that the Lord, whenever he moves and he begins to work and he reveals his power, that it would be a work of restoration and a work of revival. Souls being brought to the Lord Jesus Christ. Souls being saved. And souls being brought into conformity to the image of Christ and brought into obedience to the law of God that they despised. That's how we would like to see God moving and God working. Surely tonight that's the desire of each one of our hearts. In the days in which we live when spirituality and true Christianity is at such a low ebb that we would want God to move again, to pray for the Lord to move in our land, to see the light of the gospel shining forth brightly. And we say tonight, God is able. God is able to do that. The time coming up to the Protestant Reformation period before it was known as the dark ages the dark ages spiritually things were at such a low ebb but at the time of the reformation and the motto of the reformation was after darkness light and what the reformation was was a rediscovering of gospel truth and of the great doctrines that are taught in the word of god and it was a time of restoration. It was a time of great revival. And yet it was preceded by a time of such spiritual darkness and superstition. But there came that appointed time and that set time for God to work. And though as we witness 
the sin and the evil that's abroad in society today. God's laws may avoid that it would bring us to seek God's face and to say reverently, Lord, it is time. It is time for thee, Lord, to work. And that the Lord would so work that we would see those times of revival blessing. And we would see the church of Jesus Christ being built up to the glory and to the praise of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless this verse of Scripture to our hearts this evening. We're going to sing a few